Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone and Nick Seidler, and we're going to talk about the Doctor Who Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time, which just aired last night. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if there's much I can do to sort of lead into it. Why don't we just sort of get right into the discussion, because you've either seen it or you haven't. Um, so, presumably, if people are listening, they've already seen the Christmas episode. So, what do you guys think of it? Yeah, I, I just think that we should warn people that we'll probably have spoilers on this. So oh, if you haven't oh, watched yeah. it, definitely watch it first. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're. I think we should. This is going to be a full spoiler episode. We'll just talk about everything that happens. So if uh, you know, if you don't want to be uh, have the the episode spoiled for you, definitely wait until you've seen it. But uh, but yeah. So with that out of the way, what did you guys think of it? I uh. I, I like the episode. I, I kind of have to qualify it. It's like you have to take this episode, I think, in the right spirit, which is that it's just kind of a nice goodbye episode to the 12th Doctor. And it's like in a lot of ways it felt, you know, it felt superfluous in a way just because I think the last season finale wrapped up that Doctor story so well. And it like wrapped up everything that it like almost felt like, well, you know, we didn't, you know, I, I almost feel like it would have been a better stopping point. But, you know, it was nice to get a little more time with, with the 12th Doctor. It was kind of my overall feeling. Uh, what did you guys think? Um, you know, I I liked it. First of all, people need to know when they're listening to this podcast, though I might be critical of some of the things in the story, I love Doctor Who, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd, I'd rather watch this Doctor Who than no Doctor Who. And... Uh, I enjoyed it, you know, like I can always say that I came out of it and I was happy and I had a good time. And then mm -hmm. as I thought about it a little bit, there were a couple things that got at me a little bit that I wish they would have written a little tighter or done a little better. But for the most part, I liked it. Yeah, it was okay. But I have a couple of thoughts on it that we'll talk about. So what about you, Brennan? I don't know. I'm still, I mean, I'm not really sure how I feel about this Christmas episode. And that's maybe a good thing because the Christmas episodes, to be completely honest, are not usually my favorite thing in the world anyways. Because they, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, especially, uh, you know, coming off of last year's. Last year's, I didn't really get into that much for whatever reason. And I don't think it's necessarily a product of the episodes being bad, just that I don't, I, I tend not to feel as invested in them because there's not, they're sort of isolated and, uh, you know, with a couple of exceptions, some of them have obviously been important, but, uh, but this one, this felt like a send off. It felt like a, a celebration and mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff in it that was enjoyable. There were a lot of comedic moments that I liked. Um, and there was a lot of really stunning visual stuff. And yeah. there was, there was also a lot of really good setup. I'm very, I'm, I, I'm very intrigued by the ending. Um, but that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the episode itself. That was sort of, I sort of viewed that separately, like, okay, now we're moving on to the next doctor and there's definitely a lot to talk about there. But the, uh, but the episode itself, I guess it kind of, I, I don't know how I felt about the core premise, which was there really wasn't a, a conflict in a way there wasn't like yeah. a, there wasn't a bad guy. And so that was interesting. I, I was trying to remember if there had been episodes where that had been the case or not. Um, but I was definitely sort of like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, it's, okay. it's kind of funny because, you know, a criticism that comes up a lot with, with new doctor who is, you know, especially in the Moffat era, is just, you know, there's so many times it's all about, Oh my God, the whole time continuum is going to collapse and everything's going to fall apart. And then, you know, it goes that well a lot. And it's like, this time it was like all the opposite. It's like, Oh, it's just kind of a little personal <laughs> character story this time, which, you know, like I said, it felt a little superfluous in some ways, but it was kind of nice just to have everything scaled back and just about, you know, it's just it's about about feelings, I guess. <laughs> even even the Dalek in the story isn't a bad guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, know you kind of think about it that way. I mean, yes, there's some Daleks outside their cases that attack people, but for the most part, you're right. There's there's not a a villain in the piece or anything like that. But there were still a couple of things that I struggled with with it. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit underwhelmed by the story, mm -hmm. I'll be honest. Yeah. And and first of all, I need to say I'm not a Moffat hater, so I really like the Moffat era. I really like it. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple of things that were coming back in this story that I kind of felt like I'd seen before in other stories, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
One of them is the the I don't want to go seems to be the like I'm having trouble with my regeneration trope that they had in the 80s, right? In the 80s, like every doctor was struggling with their regeneration in their first story, and it seems like every doctor in the modern era is like, no, I don't want to go. I think this is the end. I'm too cool to like move on, and I. I hate to say it, but that's getting a little old for me. So, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I, I kind of didn't like that. And and one thing I really didn't like, as much as I loved, you know, the actor who came back and played the first Doctor, who I thought did brilliant. I thought it was excellent. They had a lot of good jokes, and it made sense. But there was no reason to go back and have the first Doctor be a part of this story, right? Yeah, like, that bothered me. His story already existed. He he regenerated, and now we have this like weird, timey wimey. We're gonna go back and rewrite what really happened to the first Doctor, and I mm. I, I, I kind of felt like that was a little bit yeah. of a cheat. Yeah, because I because I went back and watched some of the episodes surrounding that, or what I could. There, I mean, I think there were one of the episodes I ended up seeing. I actually had to watch like a reconstruction reconstructed audio sort of animation thing but it felt like there was so much more they could have pulled from the first doctor and into a relevant story and i think even the the world war one soldier guy even though they fold they they brought him into sort of the doctor who mythos it felt really weird that this guy from world war one just was sort of sucked into whatever was going on at the north i was like well because my brain was sort of struggling to exist in those two places at once and tie them together and it i don't know i just didn't I didn't really get the connecting point between those two things. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring that up because it, it literally took me four viewings before I could figure out why he was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, the, the, like, like the, they, you know, the, and I can't think of the name of the, the, the good guys slash bad guys or people who take you out of time and then scan your memories. Um, in the one scene that we see, he gets put, the, the, captain gets pulled out of time from world war one and we see him being scanned so he's actually like they're taking his memories because the two doctors meet there's a a, a screw-up happens and they don't return him to the proper time because the two doctors are at the same time kind of say something like we accidentally caused a tornado or a hurricane to pull this guy to to the south pole which makes no sense whatsoever hey we now know how to keep people's memories we have full time travel but apparently we don't know how to drive straight okay so like yeah i i I guess i guess my my trouble with that too is i just didn't understand why just that one guy like that was the part like why not like everybody or like at least a lot of people or maybe why not just make it local to whatever like Again, I I think what I was just well, tr- I think I think it was thematic actually. I mean, sorry. To cut oh, no, go ahead. I, I just, if you can explain it. That, I think I think I th- you know I think it was purely because they wanted to work the World War One armistice, like the the Christmas armistice in in there. I think no, that, they needed. How can we get a World War One guy in this story so he can do the do that World War One scene? That was I think I, like which is a meta reason, but I think it was their reason. I liked the Christmas. The, the the World War One Christmas Armistice thing. I just uh, why not just set it there entirely? That would have been, <laughs> you know what I mean. That would have made more True. sense to me. It just it just felt like so weird having these two because there was no the the, the whole. Uh, I I just didn't understand why they were at the pole. It just didn't uh, it just didn't connect. Um, I I think it would have been more interesting if they were they were if it all occurred uh, in World War One. You know, I, I need to add something about that, and, and that's the historian in me that was driven a little bit nuts by that. So okay. they get to the last, they get to the last scene, and and the doctor's like, "This is the one time, the one time." Yeah. <laughs> walked out and didn't fight, and and then like, if you know World War One history, they did it again in 1915. It happened yeah. like literally <laughs> the next year. We did it again. Well. <laughs> Like and, and it's happened in other wars, and it also happened in like 1916 and and 1917. I, I did yeah. a little research on the Christmas truce, and I'm like, literally a 30 second visit to Wikipedia would have like made these guys not screw up it's, history. So yeah, I have to admit, it's been a while since I've read up on World War Two or World War One, but there was a period where I was really into it. Probably when I was watching the Black Adders, and uh, and yeah. I remember I remember one of the things that occurred there is that after the truce. 
the next day, some guys thought the war was over because they had been buddy-buddy, and people ended up getting shot when they tried to, uh, you know, they, 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 tr- they tried to be friendly again. So, you know, there, is sort of, uh, there was sort of that ominous note in the background that was lingering over it for me. Yeah, um, me too. I had the same problem. I'm yeah. like, well, you know that these, I mean, isn't it almost more horrible? These yeah. people are all going to murder each other tomorrow. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> It's like, wow, now they know each other and they're going to kill each other. <laughs> but, but that quibble aside, I will say in terms of the sentimentality, I thought it worked. I thought that it was yeah. you know, sort of like a nice Christmassy thing. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it is a great Christmas event for Doctor Who to visit. Yeah. Uh, clearly, you know, it is one of the great Christmas moments that historically a show like Doctor Who can visit. And I think they pulled that off pretty good. I agree with you, Brendan, I wish I would have seen more of the World War One setting and some of the things that were happening there versus getting pulled into the weird spaceship and all that stuff. So, like, yeah. And and I will say about the weird spaceship, it was gorgeous. It looked and I, was it called Testimony? Was that the name of the, the yes. Enterprise? Yep. But I had I I thought it looked beautiful. I was very intrigued by it. I guess I just at the the, the end reveal one of the issues I had with that. And again, it's not really with it itself as it played out in this episode, but the implication that it has. One of my criticisms of the of, of this period has been death really has no sting in the show in, in, in recent years. It feels like people come back from the dead all the time. And and this sort of implants that as like every, like every character now could come back from the dead at any moment and be explained <laughs> through testimony. And And I'm not sure how I feel about having that hang over the series because that's... I don't know. Yeah. I just I, I I feel like I kind of wish they would keep characters dead dead more often. Um, and I can understand once in a while when you have time travel, it certainly makes sense to 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 have a character revive through those means. But this is like a this is something that now anybody can come back, no matter who they are, as long as they've been scanned. I guess so. There there, there were a couple of things that were related to that that drove me a little bonkers, Doctor Who continuity wise, because. When we're introduced to the concept of the Matrix in Doctor Who in the early classic series, The Deadly Assassin, what makes the Time Lords so powerful is that they have a chance to download the memories of each of the Time Lords and all of their lives. So they have this huge memory bank of data, of knowledge, of the most advanced knowledge in all of the universe. And that's what makes the Time Lords such a noble and great race, that they care about knowledge and they care about information. Well, we get to the year 5 billion and 13 or whatever it is, and also humans are like, yeah, we should do this. Now we'll just download everybody. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in a way, they steal the idea of what the Time Lords had done and make it just this casual thing. And if you get in one of our glass bodies, you can live forever and we'll mm-hmm. take you at the moment of your death. And I also felt that that was like a little bit of a cheat, that they had kind of stolen the idea that the Time Lords had in the series, you know, of the Matrix, and kind of, you know, kind of made it available to everyone. And, yeah. and it's interesting to me, because the Matrix gets mentioned in the show, mm-hmm. and then the Doctor's like, no, 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 we need to go somewhere even better. It's the biggest depository of knowledge in all the <laughs> universe. It's bigger than even the Time Lords Matrix, even though they're the most advanced race in the whole universe. And they literally go to this planet, and it's one <laughs> effing Dalek. Yeah. Who's got more knowledge than everybody else in the whole universe? I'm like, what the hell is this? I, like, yeah. That made no sense to me. So yeah, that that's a good point. That that was kind of weird. Like I sort of just sort of accepted it, I guess, once we got there. But I was expecting something more than a Dalek, and and for a while I thought it was going to be the Dalek that um, Clara had become in one of her incarnations because I thought they were going to. I was like, oh, this is where they're going to bring back Clara. And then it was Rusty, and so I wasn't sure how I felt about that either. Um, like, I guess it was, you know, again, they were trying to do the thing where they didn't have a bad guy. And so even the Dalek's good. So it made sense. But, uh, you know, they could have brought back the Clara Dalek and kind of, you know, had her make her appearance that way, which I think might have been more interesting than because I didn't yeah. like I, I really couldn't stand when they when they when they brought Amy back as a vision. To me, that's like not really bringing the character back. It's like a it's a really sort of sentimental thing that just it just doesn't work for me. And so here they did the same kind of thing with Clara where they brought her back as one of these glass memories. And I 
I don't know. I would have liked to see the real Clara. I think. Yeah, I, well, I felt like I felt like with that that too. Going back to the Clara one, the Clara one was really annoying. Like the the back. No, sorry, the, the not the Clara one. The uh, the Amy one was so annoying because you know Clara had gone to all this trouble to be there and help the doctor and stuff, and then he has this vision. He's like, "Oh, here's the companion I really care about." You know, and it was just like, <laughs> "Wow, Clara's standing right there. Come on." And it was just like wow, but uh, this this didn't feel quite as bad as that. Uh, you know, this didn't have that. You know, I, did, I didn't feel like Bill was getting dissed in quite the same way with this one. It was more like, hey, here's someone else you like. Well, and, and in uh, a way, it was Bill giving giving him that exactly. Yeah, so and and it, and exactly. it restored his memories of her too, which was also kind of an a little bit of an oddity with the with the doctor because you had to sort of you know you. It, it, I don't know. It's like this. It's like this Swiss cheese in his mind that you have to be cognizant of when you're watching it. Um, and so I kind of <laughs> like that he can remember her now, and that it's also yeah. not like, and it's not like ruining him in any way. Um, you know, you know a, another thing that's interesting about like when they go see the Dalek, you know, and, and you guys are kind of talking about like the Clara Dalek, and I too was kind of expecting yeah. Clara and the Dalek rather than her appearing at the very end. You know, kind of as as you know, a, another glass person or whatever. You know, I, I think that would have almost made more sense because then Clara, who herself I think visited the Matrix, right? So like, you know, there there were a lot of reasons why it would have been better for her because she would have been connected to all of that. So I, I, I think that's interesting. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this too. The one other thing that they pull off when they go to visit the Dalek is that for at least the second or third time in Doctor Who, they go to the center of the known universe, and there's something else at the center of the known universe. And, and I, w- I wouldn't think I wouldn't think that this is like that big a deal, other than there's a whole fifth Doctor story called Terminus written around the idea of what's exactly at the center of the known universe, which is the Terminus space station. <laughs> and ironically, a couple years after that, they did a radio play called Slipback with the sixth Doctor. And they put a different ship at the center of the known is that, universe. Is that like, maybe like an inside joke at this point? I don't know that... what the hell all this stuff is, but apparently there's a there's a couple spaceships hidden underneath. So yeah, but uh, but yeah, as far as the Clara Dalek thing goes, too, it's it's also a case where she would have made sense because the whole Claire, her Clara. The Clara Dalek's whole shtick was she was this amazing hacker. So it's like her being this huge gatherer of information would have made, you know, I mean, it would still be your your complaints about the Matrix and everything would still hold up. But it'd be like, OK, but this 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 makes some sense. But, you know, there wasn't there wasn't anything about that particular Dalek that made me think he's going to be a guy who's going to be like hoarding the more information than anyone else in the universe. It just. It didn't I didn't connect. I had forgotten about Rusty. Like Rusty was so not, yeah, <laughs> not something that I really cared about. To be honest, like it was, a, I thought it was a fun episode. I enjoyed seeing the Doctor sort of go there with that dialect. But I, 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 I really feel like they could have, you know, again, like I said, it would, I would have been much more impressed if it were Clara in that dialect. Um, mm-hmm. in, in a way, too, because that I felt like that was something that would have been really cool to revisit because. Uh, that 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 was sort of where we first met Clara, and it kind of ties everything back to the Impossible Girl thing. Um, yeah, well, that, but, that's the other thing with the Impossible Girl thing. You know, bringing her back as a glass person, it's like the universe is full of Claras. You know, it's like you could have. Right. There's so many ways you could bring her back. It's like with the concept you already invented. You know, but you just. <laughs> it's like the second the second you know that was over they kind of forgot that concept after uh you know they they resolved that plot but <laughs> but uh but what did everybody think of the the first doctor in this episode david bradley's first doctor cuz we haven't really seen i mean we haven't seen him really play we saw him play it in like the where he was playing um hartnell but this is like him actually playing the doctor so you, you know i'll say this i thought he did a great job of playing mm-hmm. the first Doctor. I was happy to see the first Doctor back. One of the things that was nice about this story, and one of the things that Peter Moffat's really embraced during his time in the show, granted he wrote the 50th, but it's really embracing the history of the series. Yeah. And so like, I liked even in this story, we got a chance to see many of the other Doctors, not all. So, um, But like this story, we 
had a chance to almost, almost see all of the doctors. You know, I'm, really quickly on the flashback, I like watched this a couple times. I was stop motioning through it and stuff like that. In the flashback, we see the third doctor, the fourth doctor, the fifth doctor, the seventh doctor. We see the eighth doctor from Night of the Doctor, which streamed online. So now that counts as, as <laughs> canonical Doctor Who because they took footage from that. We see the 10th Doctor, the 11th, and the 12th, right? And so we also see the original regeneration, so that means they cover the second Doctor. I have no idea why they don't like the 6th and ninth Doctor. Literally, the only two who don't make well, an appearance in I, this. I have, I have some theories on why they don't like the ninth, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the ninth too, because he's kind of... He kind of has a hostility to the show now. I mean, I, I don't know how easy it would be to secure... I mean, he might... He might have an issue with them, you know, using his image in the show almost. But so. I think they, I think they can use his image though, because didn't they use him in the uh, in yeah. the fiftieth anniversary? Oh, they, they can. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm just saying he might. He himself oh. might not like them too. Mm. Well, Eccleston's you know. recently really warmed to this series, so he, he has okay said that he would come back and that cool. you know if it's right and stuff like that. I just thought it was weird that they went out of their way to include all the doctors and they missed two of them. Like, yeah. literally, we, because we get a 13th even in this one, right? So, like, I was like, but but going back to what you said about, like, you know, the Hartnell actor, um, David Bradley, I think he did a great job. I thought there were some great lines in there, like, when Capaldi says, oh, I thought I was going to get younger. And Capaldi's like, I am younger. <laughs> Ironically, Capaldi yeah. is older than Hartnell was when he had the role. Well, so that, <laughs> that, he is the oldest doctor. That really you know? did work for me. And I think that um, Bradley was the one that really sort of, you know, that was his scene, I thought, more than Capaldi. Like, Capaldi was reacting, but like the, something about the way he delivered those lines really worked for me. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, there's a great throwback line when the doctor, the twelfth doctor, is talking to Bill, and she uses the "you're an ass" line, and the first doctor comes out of the top TARDIS and says, "You need a jolly good smack bottom," <laughs> which is a line that the first doctor used in Dalek Invasion of Earth. Okay, his I, granddaughter's I, season. I, I was wondering so, that. I was like, did he? Because I've seen some of the first Doctor episodes because I really uh, found I enjoyed those ones, but I hadn't ever heard him talk about you know smacked bottoms, and I was like, well, did, did he ever do that, or is that like a is that just Moffat sort of be you know sort of throwing <laughs> something spicy in? And uh, so it's yeah. nice. It's it's interesting to see that 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 actually ties to, to something he said. Yeah. And, and and clearly, like that's one of those things that didn't really date well, right? Like so, like you know, in 1964, when that line was put out there, it was you know, hey, I got to keep you in line. It means something very different yeah. in 2017. And I was happy that they played off that. You know, I think one of the things that really worked well was you know them kind of having a little fun making fun of the first doctor with his sexist joke. So we can get Polly or Bill yeah. to clean up the TARDIS, you know, yeah. or, you know, this guy right here, he is my male nurse. Yeah. Older, older men are just as effective as women in doing some job. Oh, I think we, we lost Nick there for okay. a minute. You cut out for a minute there, Nick, but I think we got the gist of it. But yeah, I was because I was this whole episode. One of the things that I was kind of worried about is are they going to play that stuff too heavy because of the they're bringing in a, a, a female doctor? And I thought they I thought they did it in a way that was really fun and and I was laughing every time. And so it it didn't feel too you know it, I think it could have come down too seriously or something in it, and it was just kind of whimsical and fun the way they were handling that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I guess that that does bring us to the other reveal this episode which is the the new doctor um who we we saw for the first time and we also have a sense of like they uh, we actually have a good sense i think of what the where the show might be going based on what happens so i'm curious what you guys think about the new doctor i i had a really good impression i i I liked you know her when you the close-up of her face and everything i was just like yeah, I mean, there's so little to go on, but I was like, I like this character. I this is this feels doctory to me, and it, it I was pretty sold on it more more than I was. I, I enjoyed the, the the preview clip that, that came out over the summer, but but this this just this felt really good to me. It was it was my absolute favorite part of the episode, actually, for an episode that was transitioning to a new doctor. 
We got the new doctor. It was right. It was clear that the first doctor and the 12th doctor were meant to regenerate. We got to see the new doctor. Um, two things that I think were interesting about that scene. One, a ring falls off her finger. And the first doctor was well known for having a ring. And the ring actually helped him open the TARDIS door for the first doctor. And you can actually see him wearing his ring in this story. It's, I find it interesting that they made the connection to the ring for the third doctor. It's also interesting that it falls off the, thir the 13th doctor's left hand. So there's a little question about, is that a wedding ring? What, what, what ring yeah, falls thought, off somebody's I, left I hand? Thought, Clearly a woman's ring, too. I thought that was um, uh, the, like the wedding ring for River Song or something when I saw it. But, uh, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was my take. But, uh... <laughs> The other thing that I thought was interesting about that sequence was the first doctor's, or I'm sorry, the 13th doctor's first words, which were, oh, brilliant, is, is and I had to look it up, and I listened to this thing like four times, <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I could not make out what she said when she first... Oh, like, I couldn't either. I couldn't and, either. And I had to look it up online, and there's like a little part of me that says like, they really needed her first line to be enunciated better. Like, and I don't mean, I'm not making fun of any accents. I've listened to, you know, British television for 40 years of my life. I could not make that up, so. Which, yeah, I, I mean, she, she only had that one line, but I thought that, like, I kind of had Adam's reaction where I, I was, I thought there was, like, a lot of energy in, in mm -hmm. her expression. Oh. And, and the one line... I guess that's like I, to me. It sounded like a. I remember the tenth, the tenth Doctor, uh, using brilliant all the time. Um, so I thought maybe maybe it was an indication that we're going to get that style of Doctor, and that's kind of what yeah. I saw in her face too. Um, and I mean, I know like obviously when you when you, new Doctor comes, you're kind of comparing them to previous ones. Like I remember when Capaldi came, that was like it was constant. We were just like you know which doc, and there was like oh, it's a combination of this Doctor, this Doctor, and this Doctor. Um, and that's not. It turns out that's not always like a very good marker for uh, for where the Doctor is going to go once the actor gets into the role. But I thought that's a good indication of the energy I think we'll be getting, which I think feels right for for where the show is, and and also. The TARDIS bursts open and she falls out, and then we see the TARDIS implode on the inside. I, the uh -huh. shell seems to still be intact, so I'm hoping the TARDIS is still in working order. But I'm guessing that means she might be without a TARDIS for the the uh, at least the first episode, maybe the first season. We don't know. Maybe multiple seasons. Um, could be, yeah, it could be a, a third third Doctor situation again. I, I can't figure out if they're, if, if like, along with uh, I Don't Want to Go, if blowing up a TARDIS is, like, the last two regeneration, three regenerations of, we need to have more fire in the TARDIS and more explosions. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and her, her falling out of the TARDIS was very, very similar to Smith doing, uh, not, not quite falling out, but almost falling out. And, well, uh, I also thought it was interesting that the TARDIS seemed to be, like, almost coughing out the remnants of Capaldi's doctor, coughing out the books and the papers and the other stuff that's there. Mm, yeah, so I thought yeah. that was really interesting. You know, that's just how I I pictured it a little bit, almost like it was having this adverse reaction in some way. So um, yeah. it is interesting to remember that the when we did see the TARDIS personified, the TARDIS itself was a woman, right? So with the doctor being a woman, I wonder if they might play on some some gender getting along kind of things or not between the doctor and the TARDIS. I don't, you know. Well, it could be. I remember the, the, what, was Clara the one that the TARDIS didn't seem to like? Was that the, there was a companion yep. that I remember was not well liked by the TARDIS. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I got the impression too, maybe because they're changing showrunners and, and also you just get the sense the series is going to be pretty significantly revamped just to sort of keep, keep things fresh that maybe that was part of what that was as well as just yeah, sort of, of like, uh, on the gender thing though thinking back though of course river song was better at piloting the tardis than the doctor was yes. so uh, there is that so yeah you know river song i think also mentioned that she was married to a woman at one point as well so hmm. um <laughs> 
Who knows? We'll see. And, uh, but what do you guys think of the idea of, of her not having the TARDIS in the coming episodes? Like, how long would you be willing to to accept a, a TARDIS TARDISless doctor? Yeah, not long. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it would be it would be a weird way to start with a new showrunner and doctor. I think because I feel like you'd be you'd be you know I mean, yeah especially as they're making the big switch of having the first female doctor. I think it would be kind of a mistake to strip away too much doctory stuff you know i'd be like you know she like lost the sonic screwdriver too and she didn't have the tardis and you know if you do like you know it's like you can do like you can make you know you, you can make a shift here and there and kind of get a different tone but i feel like they want to be careful the next season of doing anything too radical because they are making one big switch and so i think you know i, I think they're gonna have to bring the tardis back quickly in this case mm-hmm. This makes me think of our Classic Who podcast, where in the first Tom Baker series, seasons, mm-hmm. like in his first season, the TARDIS was in the first story, and then they went three stories, I think, in a row with the time ring without the TARDIS. Yeah. And so, but I, I agree with Adam. I think that if they stay too far away from some of the more common doctory things, I think that won't work. Mm. So. And I mean, once again, saying it won't work, I I I, I should say it's a gamble to do it because I mean, if it's a good show, it's a good show. They could they could throw everything away and and then it, but somehow it's just a really good show. But it would it would be it well, would sort be of like with like the third Doctor, where like they 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 tether yeah. into Earth and it ends up working. Um, but, yeah. But again, you know, like yeah, I I have to admit, I'm a, I'm a little wary of a show where the Doctor doesn't have the TARDIS. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, it would really depend on on what they did and and how interesting it was. If they had if there was like a really interesting ten part storyline on Earth, maybe it would work. But 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 I think I think it would be a huge huge gamble. Um, yeah. And 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 from what and and I say ten part story because I I remember hearing somewhere that the new showrunner may be interested in doing longer connected storylines. Um, which I think is a you know until until I see the new season I really won't be able to. Yeah, to, I'm wary of that idea. Yeah. That, I'm actually that's the weird thing I'm wariest <laughs> about about the next season because I I one of, one of the things I like about Doctor Who is having a different writer almost every week and having these mm-hmm. stories that feel different from week to week. So it, that could make it not feel like Doctor Who to me if it goes the wrong direction with it. You know, I think there was one thing that they did in this story, and I'm changing gears here just a little bit. That's fine. But I think it also fits together, and that is that they broke the fourth wall in this story, not mm-hmm. through an actor, but with something that they wrote on screen. And that was we started with the whole William Hartnell Tenth Planet story, and then they said 709 episodes ago, which I yeah. thought was really bold oh, because they were talking about how many episodes of Doctor Who there were rather than like a long time ago this happened. Yeah. So ironically, the showrunners broke the fourth wall, you know, talking about how long the show's been going on, yeah. which makes no sense within the context but, of the like but, series. You know. Is that breaking the wall any more than saying in the last episode of Doctor Who, like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it, because I, di- I didn't feel, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but when I, when that came on screen, it didn't have any kind of jarring effect for me. The only thing that, it, the only effect it had was I was like, oh, are there really that many episodes of Doctor Who? And then I was like, <laughs> I made a mental note that I should probably go and try to check and see if that's the correct This number. classic Who podcast is going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but right. uh, and and then I I tried to sort of do the mental math in my head and I I I quickly abandoned it and then forgot about it so so now the effect is you're reminding me that I need to check on those numbers. Um, well, what's, what's interesting to me about that is that different people count differently. Yeah. So some people count Shada as being a story and some people mm-hmm. don't because it was never broadcast. So by figuring out exactly 709 might give you an idea of what at least the current showrunner considers to be canonical who or not. So okay. That's okay. With, with, with America always airing these, these, you know, blocks of, you know, 
a storyline at the time. You've got is is this an episode or is this four episodes? You know, <laughs> right. so with long spans, that can be confusing too. You know, you know, there's one other thing that I think is worth at least I'd like to talk about briefly, and that is like I did like you know the first Doctor portrayal in this story and i thought it was cool to kind of bring that around and again i struggled a little bit with you know trying to bring in this idea that the first doctor didn't want to regenerate himself you know Mm kind of early for a time lord to doubt whether or not they should have a different body knowing that that's what their race does right like technically the first doctor knew like that was going to happen right um what's interesting to me is just that they chose to make it a first Doctor story, and I think they were trying to tie it into the original Bond of Cybermen, which they brought back at the end of last yeah. season, yeah. right? And together like that. But a couple things that are, are interesting to me is like, you know, I, I mentioned that they used a clip of of uh, Paul McGann and Night in the Night in the Doctor as one of the images that we see floating around in a bubble. I'm surprised they haven't brought back Paul McGann as the eighth doctor who hasn't had a whole lot of outings or even uh, Sean Pertwee, the son of John Pertwee who played the third doctor dresses up as his father for Halloween and is a dead ringer for the third doctor. I'm like, bring some of these guys back who, you know, you know, All right, so we're back. We had some technical issues. We think we got them sorted out. So, Nick, you were talking about uh, Mondas and the Eighth Doctor and even the Third Doctor potentially coming back. And uh, why don't you sort of continue with that point? Yeah, well, really the point that I was making was, you know, I I felt like, you know, they shoehorned the First Doctor into this. And even though I enjoyed the First Doctor, you know, Paul McGann has only had one TV outing. They made a, you know, Night and the Doctor, a little online thing that supplemented the 50th anniversary. I was saying, I think it'd be great to bring him back for a multi-Doctor story, and I, rather than having to try to shoehorn something into an existing story where they could do something wholly original. And I was also saying that Sean Pertwee, the son uh, of John Pertwee, dresses as the third Doctor for Halloween, and he's a dead ringer for his father. And I think it'd be neat to have him come back, you know, literally blood relative playing the third doctor in a brand new story. And to me, I'd like to see some more multi-doctor stories, sort of like the one we got. Mm -hmm. I'd like for it to be wholly original instead of having to, you know, oh, this is a spinoff of 10th Planet and fits in right here. No, you know, I don't think they need to to try to shoehorn it into something that already exists when they have other opportunities. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think too, you know, we, we talked earlier about how it felt like this, having the first doctor come in and adding it to, onto his regeneration scene and it like not quite fitting. It's like, I feel it was especially bad because it fits along with my point earlier that I felt like at the end of last season, it felt like we got a really good send off to the 12th Doctor. It's like we had Bill went off with her, you know, spaceship girlfriend. And and it was like everyone had this great send off. And so it was like, I felt like both, you know, 12th Doctor and Bill didn't really need another send-off, even though it was nice to see him again. And so if, well, adding the adding the first Doctor as an additional person getting a send-off who'd already gotten the send-off was like, it was just a little bit much. It was like, okay, now we've got three people that have already had a good good finish, you know, and adding more to it. But. Yeah, I would agree with you on McGann. I would really like to see McGann more used more in the show. I think they should have used him in the the 50th anniversary special because that would have been a mm. seamless tie-in in my opinion. I don't think there was an, I, yeah. like I loved having um, John Hurd in it. I think he's a great actor, but I felt like you didn't need to have an a, an extra character in there. You could have just gone right with the McGann doctor. Um, but in terms of the I don't remember what was the name of the Mondas episode cuz that's the one I actually watched where they had the reconstructed I think fourth episode. Um, yeah, the that was the tenth planet. That was the tenth planet. So I when they when when the finale happened last year, and I and we were catching wind of the first Doctor coming into things, I thought that's what was going to happen. And I what I would have liked to see if they were going to tie in the the first Doctor storyline is to have the finale actually resolve on the Christmas special 
you know, have them connect somehow. Because if they are bringing back the the Mondasi and Cybermen, mm-hmm. those, you know, it seems like that would be a pretty easy thing to fit together. Um, and so I thought it was weird that they didn't do that. That like that, that there was like this. There were these obvious ports that connected that just never, never. T- you know, it was sort of like, oh, well, we're just on the North Pole, and um, you know, and I'm having trouble regenerating too. And it was, you know, like you say, you know, it's, it, again, it's a Christmas special. So I don't think I don't think that you really I don't I don't judge them by the same standards that I judge the regular season episodes. But I would have liked to see, uh, I don't know, a little more uh, higher stakes and have it connect to uh, um, to the Mondas thing. Because I because I, I really enjoy when I did go back and watch that episode, I really enjoyed it because the Mondasian Cybermen were really scary. Um <laughs> And it was just a really well done. And also, I think that episode, the uh, the first Doctor just spends a lot of time in like a semi coma, if I remember. So, he... you know, one one thing I would love to have seen in this story, and again, maybe this is better set for a, a you know, a, a regular story rather than a Christmas special. But something I've always wanted them to do in Doctor Who, which I think would have been brilliant with this current regeneration is I've always wanted them to regenerate the Doctor mid-story, in which the villains are all going after the Doctor, and they're looking for them, and they regenerate, and now they're a brand new person, and the villains don't know who it is. And you could have really done that with this story, not in the framework of what we got, Mm. but how interesting would it have been if there were villains looking for the Doctor, and he regenerates into a woman, And now there's this other person there and it's like, it'd be totally different. So like I bring that up only because I think what, you know, like you were saying, Christmas specials get judged differently, but Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like they really had an opportunity, especially with the world war one thing, you know, like if they'd have been on the battlefield and they were like, get this doctor because we got to get him, And he, he knows some of our plans and then gets shot regenerates halfway through, becomes a woman, everyone starts treating him differently, her differently, because she's a woman on a battlefield. They're letting her walk across lines. They're letting her experience different things. People aren't judging or presuming that they're, you know, a a military person. I'm just saying I think they they missed an opportunity maybe with how they presented the story. Well, I would agree with you that seeing a a doctor regenerate midway through an episode would be very interesting i wonder if part of the reason why they don't do it is because they want to give the new doctor time to sort of figure out the character a bit and 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 uh and and not have and, and sort of have it done on their own without being in the presence of the other doctor in a way but but i think i think it would have been interesting here i was half expecting them to do that this time i thought i thought that's actually what they were planning to do and i was I was expecting Capaldi to leave very early during the episode as sort of like, you know, the whole, with the whole, I don't want to go thing being kind of a red herring, but. Uh, yeah. I, I was kind of thrown off because I didn't know what the actual skit, I like DVR would everything. And I saw, I got a two hour block on the DVR. I'm like, Oh, it's a two hour special. <laughs> and then like there's half an hour left. And you know, the, the doctor, uh, the doctor actually did his regeneration. I'm like, wow, we're actually going to get more <laughs> of this doctor in this. We're going to get a half hour. That's going to be amazing. And then, then it ended. And I was like, Oh, so you got the, <laughs> there was the Capaldi, um, uh, I, there was like an episode after where they were just sort of reminiscing about Capaldi. So that was probably yeah. what you, <laughs> that, that's what I got. Yeah. yeah. Which I was, I was tired. So I didn't actually watch that yet, but I was just like, Oh, I thought I had more coming. But, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. I really would have liked to see world war one. I, I, I think that would have been, a um, I don't know that that would have been very interesting. Just, 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 uh, you know, I, Again, I, I sort of, you know, just to bring it back to Blackadder, I guess, thinking back on how, how well it was used in the Blackadder series, I can only imagine what they could do with it in Doctor Who as a as a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there is definitely, I feel some, because Rowan Atkinson played the Doctor at one point in the comedy special, there is sort of that. I don't <laughs> know, there seems to be this, there seems to, something about Blackadder and the Doctor kind of do go together in my mind now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Uh, I don't know what um were there any th- other things in this episode that you guys wanted to talk about or that you I I know we had, we had talked before the podcast about the music and and mm. uh Nick you had mentioned that this is the composer's what what's his name again 
Murray Gold. So this is the this is the last story that Murray Gold will be the Doctor Who main composer for. And since the start of the new, the return of the series, he's been the primary composer for all of Doctor Who, which is very unusual because in the original series, they had the radiophonic workshop uh, and, and numerous guest composers as well as stock music being used uh, through a lot of different shows. So you had different episodes or stories that were tonally different by the kind of music that was played and things like that. One of the consistencies that we've had in the new series of Doctor Who is Murray, Murray Gold's music. So the whole series has had a sort of a, a similar sound to it. And in this story, he revisited music that went all the way back to the second episode of, uh, of the new, you know, the, the revamped series uh, that he introduced in a number of different themes that he had that we kind of heard through this story that we kind of remember. And Brandon, you said there was a, a piece of music that really stood out for you, too. Oh, so. yeah, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the episode it was from, but it was uh, the Martha Jones episode, uh, the finale, I think, after Utopia, where um, mm-hmm. where, where, she, where the, the master turned, um, turned the 10th Doctor into, like, a really scrawny old man and put him in a cage. There was a, there was a theme that was playing throughout that that, to me, sounded a lot like the theme from 28 Days Later. It just had that kind of a sound. And I hadn't heard that theme in Doctor Who in a while, and I always kind of liked it. And so I, I noticed that they brought it back this time, and I thought that was... And it was brought back at an interesting moment. And and like you were saying, they brought back a lot of a lot of music uh, this time. And, and what I'm wondering now is how different Doctor Who's going to feel without, you know, without this composer, because I think it's something that you don't really... You're not really aware of, like you are with the showrunner and the actor, but I... I believe it has a really profound impact on people's yeah. uh, reaction to the shows, and and I'm and, and I think it could have more of an impact than even changing the showrunner because I I really think it it's the thing that helps set the atmosphere, um, and I know I respond to it, and so I'm just wondering you know if they if they get the composer right or wrong that could have a really big impact you know I might you know I I'd be willing to sit through not well written episodes that have really great music that sort of propel them forward you know sort of like the um, you know, sort of like how Star Wars relies heavily on music, and and even a bad Star Wars movie with the right music can still carry you through. So, um, but yeah, so the, I don't know. Uh, beyond that, though, uh, uh, you know, any other any other uh, observations or thoughts? It would be interesting, actually, because you know, right now there's a big vogue of kind of like you know, kind of old school electronic synthesizer music being popular at the moment, you know, like, you know, the, the Stranger Things soundtrack, for example. But overall, there's just this big fad for it. And it's like a lot of the old fans of classic Doctor Hall's like, oh, I always like the old synthesizer music now better. And and it's like now that's actually popular again. So it would be kind of cool for them to go back to that style. And, it, you know, it would have it would have felt kind of different if they'd done it back when the series first started because that you know that trend hadn't happened yet but I, I i would really like to see them go back to that style now but we'll see we'll see what they do and that's interesting because the doctor who theme was one of the first important pieces of electronic music in the world mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for it to return maybe be a little less orchestral and be a little more electronic i think that'd be great and more than likely we're going to get probably new Doctor Who music as well as new opening credits and probably a new TARDIS interior. I'm really expecting that for sure. We're going to see a lot of kind of new, exciting stuff coming up. Do you up, think so. they would actually change the theme song to, to the opening of Doctor Who? Do you no. think they're going to keep that the same? Yeah, I, I think they'd be destroying themselves <laughs> if they did that. <laughs> Interestingly... The only single consistent thing between all the stories of Doctor Who, other than the title Doctor Who, is the fact that there is the theme music at either the beginning or the end. So some stories don't have the same title sequence at the end, some don't have a TARDIS, some don't have a Doctor. The only consistent thing is that the theme music has been used at either the beginning or the end of every episode of Doctor Who, 
and that it's been titled Doctor Who. So, just one of those weird things. Like, there's not one. It's a show that you can't say requires any one thing in order to be it. So, I know that's a really weird statistic to bring up, but like, kind of interesting. So. <laughs> no, that makes sense. So, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end the episode here. Uh, so we'll uh we'll be back on uh to talk about Babylon Five later in the week, and we'll have uh uh hopefully. Nick back to talk about classic who pretty soon. I know we have another Tom Baker episode lined up. Um, and we have a, a movie. I think we're doing cat versus rat on Thursday, uh, a Wusha movie. So, uh, so uh, until then, we'll talk to you later. God!